If you turn in your Bibles to the fourth chapter of the book of Colossians, and while you get there, I got up very early this morning, and, and as the Lord was just kind of confirming some of the things that he'd put on my heart, uh, I, I want to take this time. We're going to be coming to the Lord's table. We're going to be sharing in communion at the end of the service this morning. And so I want you to begin to prepare your heart And to take us there, I want to share a couple of things before we get to solely verse 1 here in Colossians chapter 4. And I want to remind you really of a a central thing. Jesus from the cross made two final statements. And when Jesus made those statements, he said first, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God... My God, why hast thou forsaken me? Praise the Lord, it did not end there. Amen? That was a cry of his humanity. His separation with Father God that he had never, ever experienced in eternity. For a brief period of time, Jesus was separated from Father God by your sin and mine. By the sins of the world. As Isaiah would say, the sins of the world were placed upon Christ Jesus. Crushing him. Bruising him. But that was not his final statement. The Lord's final statement from the cross was a simple one. One Greek word. Tetelestai. It is finished. Hallelujah is right. Hallelujah. It's done. It. What is the it? It's God's plan to redeem back sinful mankind, to redeem me, to save Pastor Jeff from a life of sin and what would be the penalty of that sin, which would be death and ultimately separation from God. Without it is finished, I would have been finished. And so would you. So as we come to the table, we come as recipients of God's incredible grace and his mercy and his forgiveness, having earned nothing in and of ourselves. And so as we draw near to the table and as we begin our time, family of God, there should be nothing, nothing, that is dividing us as we come here. And let me tell you why. Because Scripture says so. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as Paul is passing along the ordinance of communion, he says this in verse 17, Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Now, that's a kind of harsh statement, I would think, at a communion service. But we need to hear the word of the Lord. Because there are things that have crept into our lives. There's things that have crept into your life. There's things that have even come into my life at times that if we allow them, can divide us, can separate us, can tear us apart. And so what does he say next? For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear 
that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. Now, for them, there were some very specific things that were pulling them apart. Things that had crept into the church that were dividing them. That Christ was no longer, as our passage, the whole of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4 have clearly told us that Christ is the head of everyone and everything. He's the head of your life personally. He's the head of your marriage personally. He's the head of your family personally. He is the head of your community personally. He is the head of your county and your state and your nation and your world. Christ is preeminent and above all. And so when we come to the table, we come as his family of grace. We don't come as divided people for any reason. It says we can't come as a divided people. And so I asked you this morning, are you holding anything in your heart that is separating you from your brothers and sisters? Maybe in this room. Maybe it's even towards me. Maybe it's towards someone that you know. Maybe it's someone in your life that you need to get squared away with God because it clearly says that there should be no division among us. And here's why. That's the table of grace. That's the table of mercy. That's the table of forgiveness. That's the table of love. That's the table of kindness. That's the table of gentleness and of meekness and of self-control. It surely is not the table of hate and division. And so to come to the table... To present ourselves to God at his table of grace means we need to come in a way that's pleasing to God. And so I'm going to ask you as we look at this one verse, verse 1 in chapter 4, that you begin to sort through those things which perhaps you need to leave in God's hands. Is there something dividing you in this season that we're in? There's a lot of speech that's being spoken that probably should be kept to ourselves. There's a lot of things being bantered back and forth that perhaps have afflicted your mind and maybe driven a wedge between you and somebody that you call a brother or a sister. And I'm simply going to ask you to do what Scripture says and don't come here with division in your heart, division in your mind, division in the body of Christ that we should come in a worthy manner. And it says here, and notice this, it's so clear, continuing the thought, verse 1, Colossians 4, Masters, give your bondservants what is just, in other words, right with God, and fair what is applicational with humankind. What is first right with God and what is applicationally, universally good with mankind. What is just and what is fair, and here's why. Knowing that you also, ultimately, daily, moment by moment, have a master in heaven. In other words, we're all going to one day answer to him for everything.
Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you. We thank you that there's no schism in you. And Lord, we thank you that you, Jesus, actually prayed that incredible high priestly prayer that you wish that we were one as you and the Father are one. Lord, make that so in your house this morning. Lord, would you help us to set aside those things which can divide and hurt and harm? Would you help us to be loving and kind and gentle and meek? Would you help us to prefer one another and esteem each other more highly than we even do our own selves, as your word declares? Would you be head of the church this morning? Would you guard and guide us? Would you protect us? And would you bless this time as we now prepare our hearts to come to the communion table, remembering you, Lord Jesus, and what you did. And so, God, we ask you to bless this time, bless your people, and now speak to us in these moments through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so it says here in verse 1 something very simple, but incredibly profound. And I want you to notice it. You you see, whether you're a master or whether you're a servant, whether you're an employer or whether you're an employee or whether you're first on the totem pole or last on the totem pole or, or whether you're the person who makes the decisions or has to implement the decisions or whether you're the husband or whether you're the wife or whether you're the parent or the child, whether you are anyone or anything, anywhere, at any time, Every last one of us, ultimately, who name the name of Christ, believers, every one of us, in that sense, as we gather as his church, we're all going to one day answer to him. Amen? Your Bible says so very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, on that day, we'll all stand before God and give an account for everything, every word done in this body. And so that should put us all in the same place. You see, sometimes people will ask me, well, why did you say that? Why did you do that that way? And I said, I I prayed, and, you know, that's what the Lord put on my heart. Well, I think this, or I think that. My counsel usually back to that person is, I I can tell you a couple things about me. I fear the Lord. I am scared to death of misrepresenting God. And I do my best. And sometimes I may say something that I I go, Lord, forgive me, I could have said that better. Or I I wish I'd have added this or retracted that. There are always those, those times. But here's where you can leave it. Here's where I can leave it. Here's where I can thank the Lord that one day... We all have a master in heaven. I'm going to answer to God. And you're going to answer to God. We're all going to answer to God. Ultimately, everyone answers to God. Whether at the Bema seat or at the great white throne, everyone one day will answer to God. And that should give us great compassion towards one another. Because I know one day you're going to answer to God. 
And you know one day I'm going to answer to God. And you know that about your spouse and about your children and about your parents and about your friends and about your neighbors. That is universally true. That's what this passage says. We all have a master in heaven. So every inequity, God's got that. Every harm, God's got that. Everything that is unfair and unjust, God knows how to make it right. And I think sometimes the church is so busy trying to solve things that only God can solve that we actually create some of the problems that he's trying to fix. And maybe if we did a more uh, a better job, if you will, of resting and trusting that one day all of us are going to answer to God, if we just did that a little better, maybe some of the things that divide us would actually go away. Because I'd leave them in God's wonderful to-do box and I'd let him take care of it. I trust him with it. And so the Apostle Paul uses a couple of words here and he says, do what is just. And here's what it means. At the end of the day, who really works for whom? Amen? Amen. Think about it. At the end of the day, I work for God. You work for God. Your boss works for God. He may not know it. She may not know it. Maybe they're not believers. Maybe you're being treated unfairly. That's entirely possible. Maybe there's been injustice that's happened to you personally. That's highly probable in the world that we live in in some way, shape, or form. But at the end of days, God squares every account. And so he says, if you want some peace in your life, then here's what you do. Don't follow the bad example. Follow the perfect one, Jesus, and you, for your part, be perfectly just and wonderfully fair. You be right with God, and then you implement that rightness with God, which is righteousness in your life. You implement that fairly with everyone. Treat people with respect and care, and love, and concern. Love them as Christ has loved you. Care for them as Christ has cared for you, because that's what that table means. Jesus didn't break the bread and say, well, this is good for some of you, the ones that are you know, a little more righteous than the you know, You need to do something else besides this. He said, this bread is my body broken for everyone. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood for everyone. And as often as you come to the table, we remember him. So you can see how chapter 3, Christ first. Christ first in your own life. Christ first in your own marriage. Christ first in your own children and in your parenting skills. Christ first in the workplace. Christ first in your community. Christ first in your state. Christ first in your nation. Christ first. Kingdom. Seek first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his rightness with him, righteousness, the vertical relationship, and then all these things will be added unto you. Did he not? 
Can I say to you that the Beatitudes apply to everyone? Amen? Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. Oh, and by the way, when you're spoken evil of, when you are persecuted for his namesake, you bear that and do good. So you see, if we actually get the vertical right and then we apply it horizontally, we can leave the fact that we all ultimately will answer to God, will answer to our Lord Jesus, and we can trust him with that. We need to keep Christ the head. It's very simple. Christ is the head of the church. I am not the head of this church. Christ is the head of this church. The Lord Jesus is the head of this church. And if you were with us in our study in Ephesians and our study in Philippians, our study now in Colossians as well, all three of these books have a central theme. And and what ultimately happens is it's the Holy Spirit and the Word working in the church that accomplishes these things. And what happens is we have thankfulness. And so I'm going to invite the communion team to begin to come forward, and they're going to pass out first the bread and then the cup. And I'm going to ask you to hang on to both elements. The worship team's going to come back out, and we're going to worship together in a moment. But as you think on these two elements, think on it from this particular place. If you're here and you know the Lord Jesus... This supper is for you. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus, then I would encourage you, just as Scripture says, please don't partake of these things in an unworthy manner. If you don't know Jesus, then this would be meaningless grape juice and cracker. But to we who believe, it represents the one thing that all of us must have to see God. To one day step out of this time and into his eternity, we must have his grace. We must have his mercy. We must have his forgiveness. And that came at the cost of Christ's life, God's only son who died in my place. He was beaten, bruised, and tortured for me personally. And his blood was shed on Calvary's cross so that I might receive the righteousness of God. So if you do not know Jesus, please simply allow the elements to pass you by. If you want to know him, then as those elements are being passed out, take them and invite Christ into your heart. Ask the Lord to forgive your sin. Believe on his name. Invite him to dwell in you. Commit your life to Christ. And then you're going to be one of his kids and you're free to partake as well. Family of God, as you think on these things, We have to keep Jesus in that number one position. This whole passage has been an extrapolation of verse 17 in chapter 3. And it says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord. So as the elements are passed out, now as we praise the Lord, get rid of anything that's not in the name of the Lord. Let it go. Let it go. Let God have it. 
Make the cry of your heart, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know why. But I know you do. And I am giving you these things that are hurting me right now. These things that are paining my soul. I give to you because I know one day I'm going to answer to you. And you brought me near by your broken body and your shed blood, and I don't want there to be anything between me and you as I come to the table.